Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning, everyone. Jeff is pointing, saying that we are on air. <laughs> so good morning to those of you who have stayed at home. And uh, we wish you were here with us, but uh, you're watching online, and we appreciate that. And, uh, but good morning to everyone here. Everybody's chatting, which is great. I love to see it. And uh, I just welcome you to come and worship with us today. And uh, we're going to start out with a, with a couple songs that you know. And uh, yeah, so uh, good morning and uh, let's, let's begin worship.
sing a song that most of you guys should know, even if you're just visiting church and you don't come to church normally. This is a tried and true Christmas song. So let's sing Hark the Herald Angels. It's a very well-known Christmas carol, and uh, as my old eyes and memory go, I'm going to open up my phone so I can pull up what I want to say to you about this song. It says, come all ye faithful, right? So it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That's in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Basically, the focal prayer of this this Advent song is remembering the yearning of Israel. We prepare to celebrate the first coming of, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We also look forward to his second coming. 
And we invite him to come into our lives through his spirit, bringing forgiveness, healing, calling, and power for our service. So that's something just to, to remind you of where the song comes from, what it's about. Uh, for those that uh, have been in church for a long, long time, uh, we've always sung this song. Even if you don't come to church uh, and you're just visiting, you know this song. So we're going to go ahead and sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. If you know the tune, let me hear it. And uh, sometimes I will cut out so I can hear it, because all I can hear is myself right now. <laughs> but come all ye faithful to worship. Come all ye faithful to sing unto God. And uh, we just really appreciate you being here with us to worship with us today. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem.
Now this last song, if everybody can just please rise out of your seats. Because we've sang this song a couple weeks in a row. We figured, you know, it's a good song to sing right now. So let's clap your hands right now. Come on. There you go. Now I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to train you if you don't know this song. The first time I do this, I'm going to say one thing and then you're going to repeat me, okay? In the very first, in the intro part here, okay? And I'll say, let's everything has breath. And you say, let's everything has breath. Praise the Lord. And then you say, praise the Lord. All right, let's practice that. Let everything. Let everything. Praise the 
Halleluja. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Ooh, that song makes me tired. Charges up and makes me tired and makes Sean's arm fall off when he's drunk. <laughs> We'll see how coordinated I am this morning. <laughs> Each week, we're lighting candles on this Advent wreath to symbolize the gift God has given us in the birth of Christ. Thank you, Jeff. You're so kind. Last week, we lit the candle of hope, and we stood together with our arms outstretched and our hands cupped open as a posture of openness, which Tony's going to show us right now to receive that gift. Let's do that again today as we relight the candle of hope. Can we all do that? Over here. Where's your dad? There we go. I hope that this thing will, <laughs> will light something. I'm up. <laughs> Isaiah, the prophet, promised us that the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. We just did. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Well, we, the ransomed of the Lord, can know what it's like to be set free, unburdened, to be released to live fully in the grace and the wonder and the joy of the Lord. And so we light this second candle today as well as a sign of, <laughs> as a sign of our joy, a sign that we, the ransomed, walk with a skip in our step because we can see the destination to which God has called us. This is why I'll never be a smoker. <laughs> And this year, just like last week, we're not only lighting candles, but in one sense, we're becoming candles. So we invite you to do the same thing as we did last week. If you are able to stand together, we have a new motion to teach you. Hold your hands in a motion of joyfulness. Ooh, that is so out there. <laughs> to say yes to the joy that God wants to give us all. So we do that together. That's awesome. And all God's people said? Yes. 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 <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, that was fun. Wow, you guys are full of joy this morning. Thanks, Jeff. What? We're going to go right into taking up our offering and the announcements, but let's pray. First, God, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, thank you for the joy that we have in you. 
And Lord, thank you for these people who week in and week out serve using their gifts, their talents, giving their offerings for the work of Hosanna, but Lord, also for the work of the kingdom beyond these four walls. And for that, Lord, we are grateful, we are hopeful, and we are joyful. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're taking up two offerings this morning. So the offering buckets that are on your table are for the regular offering, okay? Regular offering for those buckets. And then the ushers will come around in just a few minutes and take our second offering up to bless 18 families in the life of our Hosanna family and two families from our community with gift cards for groceries. Our change for change, and I'll give those ushers a heads up when. If you can just put your first offering in the bucket, please. Just put your first offering in the bucket. The ushers are going to come around and take that money or offering, and then we'll come around a second time for the second offering that you'll put in the bucket after it's cleared. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Our change for change offering, the bucket in the back for the month of December is gonna to go towards Blessing Water Street Mission. Our gifts will provide care to men and women and families who are homeless. It provides meals, it provides safe shelter and so much more. But more importantly, it reignites hope for those folks. So that's what our Change for Change bucket is gonna to go towards for the month of December. The adult class, Five Freedoms, will not be meeting today so everyone can enjoy the Christmas party. Today's the last day to bring your wrapped gift in for the angel tree that's out in the foyer. If you forgot, you can see Kathy Miller. I saw Kathy Miller. Kathy Miller, raise your hand. If you forgot your gift today, see Kathy Miller after the service to make arrangements to get that gift to them. All right? Following our service, we're going to enjoy a great meal and entertainment at Hosanna's Christmas party. We'd like to get started between 11.15 and 11.30 for the meal, um, if possible. So say hello to folks after the service is over, and then find your seats again so we can get started. We have a lot to do this afternoon. Hosanna is going to be hosting a blood drive this Tuesday from 12, uh, to 2 to 7 p.m. See the instructions on the bulletin board if you'd like to give blood. And our Christmas Eve service this year, we're doing something a little different. Tony sent out a survey, and that survey came back. And so what we're going to go with for our Christmas Eve service, since it's on a Sunday, we're going to be holding that at 4.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be our service and our traditional candle lighting. We're in the planning process. It's going to be a powerful service. And I think, Tony, we're going to have an archive message in the morning online. If you want to watch something like you did through Hosanna at the Movies, you can do that as well on Sunday morning. And with that, I invite Tony and Joanne to come and bring us the message. Please put your second offering in the bucket now, and the ushers are going to come around and do that. If you didn't hear that, Mike is asking for the second offering, the benevolence offering, to be put in the bucket now. And then they'll come around and collect that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're mixing it up for Christmas Eve a little bit, but it was, your results were fairly overwhelming for those of you who participated in that survey. It's like, hey, it surprises. You want to have service in the morning and, in the, and later in the day? And the answer was no, one, one, one is good. Would you like to have that 
late afternoon or in the evening? The answer was pretty definitive, late afternoon. So, hey, let's give it a try. That'll be great. If you do want to participate in a Sunday morning service, it is a Sunday morning. We do have the one to be available only online, live stream. Don't come to the building, but we do have that. And it won't just be an archive message. There's a few other goodies that will be mixed in with that. So, anyway, be cool. Well, today, we begin by saying yes to the dress. <laughs> that, as many of you know, is the title of a reality TV series, one that I watch faithfully and enthusiastically and, and tearfully. <laughs> I, those of you that know me fairly well know that everybody else in my family is female. So <laughs> I've had this inflicted on me more than once. <laughs> Brides-to-be choose their dream wedding dress, and then everybody cries. <laughs> Interesting, though, interestingly, though, there was a real-life example this fall. It was in the news, saying yes to the dress that beat any of the stories of that show. So, okay, there's this young woman, Emily Austerhout, a college student, was shopping with a friend in a Goodwill store in Alabama, and they discovered this fabulous wedding dress in a back room of the Goodwill. Emily couldn't believe her eyes. You know, she had already been thinking about this. She's got expensive taste, she says, but she doesn't have a whole lot of money. She's a college student. How would she ever find a dress that would be exactly what she wanted on a very limited budget? But this one, she figured she'd have to compromise. This one was no compromise. It was everything she wanted, and the price tag was, anybody know this story? $25. Oh, yeah, it's, it's there when it's... <laughs> anybody want to guess? <laughs> she snatched it up. She was delighted by her yes to that dress. But then the story got better. Because only when Emily and her friend were in her car with her new dress that they noticed the label on it. It was actually created by a very high-end London designer, one whose fashions I follow assiduously. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gala Lahab, I don't even know how you pronounce that. Prada. Now, <laughs> its original price tag was $6,200. And no, it wasn't secondhand. It had been used as a sample dress, one that brides try on for sizing, apparently. And then it, these things were offered at a sample sale when nobody bought it, so the company decided to donate it to Goodwill, hoping that somebody would be able to make use of it. And Emily plans to. She says that the man in her life likes it, too. So there we go. Now, why are we telling you that story this morning? Last week, we introduced our Advent series about our one yes we just did the yes again here, lighting the candles. Emily's yes to the dress story illustrates how our simple yeses can often result in something far bigger and better than we could imagine at the time. She found a cool dress at Goodwill. She didn't know it was a designer. She said yes before she found out the bigger truth behind it. This happens in a variety of ways in our lives. Yes to a first date sometimes eventually results in a proposal for marriage along the way. A casual conversation turns into a job offer. A moment of desperation results in an invitation to faith. So we're looking at that pattern in the biblical characters leading up to the birth of Jesus. Last week, we noticed that Zechariah never imagined when he walked into the temple one day. That was good enough. 
His yes to that was all that mattered at the moment. He never imagined that day that he and Elizabeth would become parents in their older years, that there was something bigger and better hidden under the surface. So last week's message, that story was a story of hope. This week, we're going to look at someone else whose yes to joy was the most important yes in all of human history. Yes. You just turned it back off. That's on. On? Am I on? Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, Mary may not have said yes to the dress, but she had said yes to Joseph's proposal of marriage. So let's just clear up some common misunderstanding about what her yes to Joseph meant. Um, You see, Mary and Joseph were not simply engaged when Jesus was conceived. They were betrothed. In our culture, those two words are used pretty much interchangeably. But in ancient Jewish culture, the difference between these words was crucially important. There were two steps involved in marriage back then. First came the betrothal. Uh, In Hebrew, it's erosin, the erosin, where the couple formally committed to each other and were then, at that time, they were considered legally married. They were called husband and wife, and their marriage could only be lawfully ended through death or divorce. But... Here's here's the catch. Even though married, they were not allowed to consummate their marriage for a year. You know, I think that's a really kind of a really good idea. (laughs) If you think about the first year of marriage and how rough that often is, it would be interesting for them to get to know each other a little better and kind of. I'm sure that would go over really well with 21st. (laughs) Just say it. Might be a good idea. Anyway, um, so they were not allowed to consummate their marriage for a year until after they'd completed the second step of the marriage process, the nisusin, nisusin, right? What is that? It's the formal home-taking ceremony. So in between, that year between the erosin and the nisusin, they prepared to live together. The bride and her family, she's still at at her family home. The bride and her family prepared for the ceremony and the celebration. And the groom prepared the home that they were going to share together. And you know, in lots of things, we have little mini revelations as we're doing our sermon prep. And yesterday I thought, oh my gosh, that makes Jesus promise to us that he's going, he has gone to prepare a place for us. Mm-hmm. Even more beautiful, doesn't it? Right. We'll have our Nisu scene on the other side. But these details matter. Because in the moment when Mary was asked the pivotal question of her life, she had already said her first yes to Joseph, but not the second which meant that in Luke's gospel account, Mary was not only a virgin, she was a married virgin. Let's read, let's read it. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And again, in our message prep on Friday, we noticed that that phrase, the Lord is with you, is also the meaning of the name Emmanuel, which is pretty cool. Emmanuel, whom Isaiah had prophesied centuries before would be a sign of the Messiah's coming, that a young woman would give birth to a child whom she would name Emmanuel. Now, this may help to explain Mary's response to the angel. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And this word is, she was agitated inside. She's, I mean, things are moving inside of her. And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the second time that the angel said that she was favored. So what does it mean to find favor with God? Well, you know, since God doesn't play favorites, it doesn't mean that Mary was somehow better than anybody else or that she could get more special treatment, better treatment than anybody else. But it certainly does mean that God delighted in her, and even more, God trusted her. It's amazing. God trusted her enough to entrust his son to her. And in that moment, she's human like us. Her mind must have been racing. How can this be me, mother of the Messiah, I'm the one Isaiah was talking about. All her life, she'd heard that hopeful story of the one who would come to save, to rescue her people, which is, by the way, the meaning of Jesus' name. She'd heard that story her whole life, and centuries of her ancestors before her had told and heard that story And in this moment, she could not even begin to imagine what the rest of the story was going to be. And yet, what she did understand was that God was asking her to promise herself to him so that through her, he could keep his promise, not only to Israel, but to the whole world. Mary knew that saying yes to God would change everything for everyone. You know, Joanne, as you were talking about this favor thing, I thought of an analogy that never crossed my mind before. We both teach, and I won't speak yeah. for you, but I have students I enjoy more than others. Don't tell anyone. Um, my commitment, my integrity requires that I grade them the same as anybody else. In fact, sometimes maybe even a little bit harder because I see the potential in them. But I can enjoy them in a way, because of how their mind is working or how they're growing or something. And maybe that's a little bit of what God is saying here to Mary. Yes. It's like in the shack. I love that. You know, when oh, yes. Papa, who's a mama, African-American mom, is, is, point, is saying, I'm especially fond of that one. And then after a while, you realize she's saying it about everybody. <laughs> I'm especially fond of that one. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been asked to do something that the questioner knows that you can't do? 
hey, Bob, can you run Bob over to the other building and give them this document? Well, actually, no, boss, I can't run anywhere. My leg is in a cast, haven't you seen? Um, you know, hey, kid, could you get the, um, you know, the mug from the top shelf? Mom, I'm four foot one. No, I can't reach the top <laughs> shelf. It's that sort of thing. Well, I think Mary's feeling like this right now. She's a bit perplexed. Mm-hmm. How will this be, Mary asks the angel? I like how it's worded <laughs> so calmly. I wonder what her emotional response was. How will this be since I am a virgin? Yes, indeed, that might get in the way of having a baby. Now, on the surface, this question sounds like Zachariah's question last week. He has one that had kind of the same feel to it, but it's, it's being asked of a different spirit. Zacharias was a demand for proof. Show me, tell me, explain to me how this is going to work. Mary's is more out of curiosity about the mechanics of things. <laughs> how are we going to make this work? <laughs> I suspect she's thinking that the angel intends maybe to move the wedding date up or something like that. That would have been one way to do this. Boy, is she going to be surprised because this is the angel's response to her. And you know what it is. The angel answered. Nope, (laughs) the wedding date doesn't change. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. By the way, the words here are kind of metaphoric. They're vague. It's kind of hard to understand what all this means. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And no word from God will ever fail. Now, this is a holy cow moment. I mean, this is at least as as jaw-dropping as finding out that your Goodwill purchase is a designer wedding dress. God is going to parent this baby. God's going to do this himself, somehow. As I said, Gabriel's answer makes that clear, but leaves the logistics a bit vague. We still don't know what all that entailed, only that it did. And that apparently was enough explanation for Mary. She was willing to live with the ambiguity and the vagueness. Okay. She didn't engage from further arguments like Zachariah did about how babies are made. (laughs) Or Nicodemus. Why is it that the men seem to be upset about this stuff? Remember that? How do I go back into my mother's room? No, Nicodemus, you're missing the point here. And she trusts this because somehow she believes what the angel has said when when the angel says no word from God will fail. Or better, I like the other translation. Nothing is impossible with God. (coughs) Nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. So how does Mary respond to all this? Again, you know, but let's retell the story. This may be the most important yes in human history. But notice the tone of it. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And this really matters. Her yes is not one of abject submission, okay? Not merely a response to dutiful obedience. She's not, like many Christians are, like a child saying, well, if I have to, Mom... But it's a voluntary assent. We might even consider it, well, we will find out a joyful assent to be part of the deal. If nothing is impossible, then, well, let's do the impossible. Amen. I'm up for that. So what was Mary saying yes to? Well, let's look at five possibilities that all begin with P. And I did that my I, I did that one. You did that I one. I did. I know. And we are all joyful as a result. We're turning the tables and yes, and Tony was joyful. <laughs> I'm doing wedding dress stories. She's alliterating. It's, 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 it's a mixed up world. 
Okay, five possibilities that all begin with P. And the first one is, well, possibility. That's the first one a possibi of the possibilities. Um, this, the story of Gabriel's announcement to Mary, which is called the Annunciation, um, appears quite simple on the surface. But within Mary's human mind and within her emotions, it must have seemed anything but simple. There must have been within her both faith and uncertainty, a rising of joy alongside some anxiety about what all this means and how, what all this, how is this going to happen, not like Zechariah, but just like a human, like all of us. I mean, if you think about it, if I, I might have been wondering what I was going to tell my mother. How was I going to explain this to my husband? Right? This is a story that's full of unanswerable questions. And yet, it's also a story about impossible possibilities. It's about radical openness. It's about new beginnings with God, which threatened the beginning that she had already <laughs> begun with Joseph. In the face of every possible worst-case scenario, Mary chose to risk her life on the possibility that the angel was really not a hallucination. It wasn't the pizza she ate last night, right? <laughs> and to risk everything, that with God, nothing, really nothing, is impossible. She didn't doubt God. And what's really remarkable is she didn't doubt herself either. Did you notice that? We would have been, I would have been, she didn't doubt. She just opened herself. Open. She opened all of herself to receive all that God wanted to give her, even though she had no idea of what that all really was. And in this, Mary invites us to consider what it might be like for each of us to say yes to our own God-given calling, to open up that radically, that fully, to the seemingly impossible possibilities that the Holy One has created and called each one of us to. I suspect, it doesn't say it explicitly, but it was Mary's already openness to possibilities that explains at least in part why she was so favored by God. When everybody else in her generation was trying to put God in a little box, she didn't have that little box, and she was open. God knew who would already be inclined to say yes to participation in this grand plan of redemption God was doing in the world, that God had been doing in the world since the garden. This is one of the things I just love about God. I love about the Christian story. I love about what is true about God. God does not impose his redemption on anyone. And that's such a great risk. And I would suggest perhaps a risk has not been entirely justified that he invites humans to join him in it, to participate with him mm -hmm. in something new, something borrowed, something blue. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and that wasn't true just then, by the way, in Bible times. We read all these Bible stories about people who did things with God, and that's wonderful, and we make them heroes, and we put them on the walls of our homes and our Sunday school classrooms. God's invitation to participation is for all people, everywhere, including you and me. Mm -hmm. Because God is still doing it, working out this plan of redemption more hopefully than most of us are, more joyfully than most of us are, 
in this world and in our lives right. and says simply, will you join with me? Yeah. Will you do what I'm doing in the world? Yeah. And while being a participant in God's big picture, big picture story of redemption was remarkable, Mary was saying yes to even more than that. She was saying yes to that and to more. See, she was saying yes not only to participation in what God was doing, but also yes to a necessary partnership between them. Mary was not just good for what she could do for God. Mary was invited by God into a shared relationship of love with God. I mean, just think of it. It's breathtaking. Immortal God needed Mary's very mortal body to bring his son into the world if that son was going to be both divine and human. God the Father didn't have a body. Invisible, immortal God needed Mary's human body. And it may sound odd to us, but you know, in a real sense, God was asking Mary to allow him, the eternal father of all, to become the father of her first baby. It's, there's a sweetness in it of God coming. Joseph must have come in a similar sweetness. And here is God coming sweetly. Like Tony said, not forcing anything. Just saying, Mary, will you do me the honor of making me a father? Physically. Do you know what I mean? That's not to discount that he is, you know, eternal father. See, this isn't one of the pagan gods. The pagan gods in Rome, the, the Greek pantheon, you know, all of them. Pagan gods used their power to do whatever they wanted with whomever they wanted, and that often included raping and pillaging, literally. This God, our God, that's the one true all-powerful God, and yet this God is also humble, self-sacrificing love. One of the ways that we know the gospel is true and that this story is true is that no one, no human would ever dream this up. Yes, Mary said yes to a very unique shared partnership with the surprising God of grace. Oh, That's my you. turn. <laughs> and that unique <laughs> partnership between her and God resulted in a real pregnancy. Let me tell you all about pregnancy. <laughs> Yeah, I know you're doing. If I'm doing wedding we, we dresses, switched. I might as well just say on the team. The fact that it was a real pregnancy does matter. Early on in the first couple hundred years of the church, some people that thought that this was far too messy, too human, or whatever. Jesus really didn't have Mary didn't have a real pregnancy. He wasn't really born by the normal processes. Remember, we we saw a painting once, a staff thing at an art museum about this baby that was kind of, it was supposed to be Jesus being born, and he was kind of hovering above Mary's womb like he had been teleported out, Star Trek-wise. Yeah, whatever. I know, right? We're, we're looking at all this stunning medieval art, and this one, walks, he walks over to this painting, and he says, it's Michael Jackson. Yeah. 
I wasn't going to tell that part. Oh, I was like... <laughs> anyway, and that's a longer story why you said that, obviously. I'm like, well, art aficionado, no. <laughs> it, it, it just illustrates the fact that this artist seemed to be uncomfortable with the idea that there was a real pregnancy and eventually a real birth. Yes. But Mary conceived a physical Christ child. And that was her unique once and forever calling. But this pregnancy, that at least the, the, the idea of it is not confined to Mary. Mm-hmm. All of us are also invited to allow ourselves to conceive the Holy Spirit within us. And bring Christ into the world as God has uniquely called each of us. It's a biblical term. It's a biblical metaphor for what happens when we participate in the life of Christ. Yes. So, spiritually speaking, we can and should all get pregnant. <laughs> and stay pregnant. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure where this message is going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> And, oh. and that is all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hopefully we're not only gestating, uh, pregnant and gestating Christ within us, but like Mary, we're also full of joyful praise. Um, we're full of overflowing expression of jubilation, exaltation, gladness, exhilaration, elation, euphoria, bliss, glee, and all of the other words in the the thesaurus under synonyms for praise and joy. All of this rooted in unwavering confidence in God's own overflowing goodness. The tov we started the year with last January. This unshakable confidence that whether we understand or not, whether we're afraid or not, God does what God has promised to do, even when it seems impossible to us. Unwavering confidence in God's overflowing goodness and purposes in our lives, in our world. And that's exactly what we hear in Mary's Song of Joy, the Magnificat, that she sang in the presence of her impossibly pregnant relative Elizabeth. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We've done entire messages on this song of joy that Mary has given, but there's something even better in here. Perhaps another reason that God knew that she was the one that chose. Because her joy is for herself. God, the mighty one, has done great things for me, yes. Mm-hmm. But it's also for others. It's good news for everyone. And yeah. she can see that when most people couldn't. Listen to how she describes what God is up to. She says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from Worship all, have all of him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. Her son would say something about that, right? Blessed are those Mm -hmm. who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm -hmm. But has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. 
just as he had promised our ancestors. She, of course, is one of those descendants. Mm -hmm. Mary understands what seemingly few people did, that God was for her and for everyone, especially those who have been taught or had assumed that because God was mighty, that he was always going to be the side of the powerful and the merciless. And again, her son, Jesus, would show that same insight, reminding ordinary human beings of God's great mercy for them. Rick preached on this a couple weeks ago. And God's great blessings on them. Yes, sometimes the poor get the designer dress. Mm-hmm. Except that it's even better than all that. It isn't about changing places in the world so that those on the bottom of the ladder can climb to the top and act in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's about tossing the ladder away entirely. And seeing in each other the same image, the same likeness of God. Looking at each other on level terms, eye to eye, and holding hands and walking through this life together. In the presence of a God who loves us all, for God so loved the world. The cool thing for us is that Mary's not describing herself and the people of her own time. She's just not talking about the people of, of Israel and those who will be impacted by the ministry of Jesus as a human being on earth. The God she cries out to with joy is the merciful, mighty God we know as well. And what was true then is what is true now. Yep. Now, we don't always live like that's true, right? I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for me. But I, most of our lives are not as open to possibility not as eagerly participating in God's redemption, not as always enjoying partnership with God, not continually pregnant with the new thing that God is up to, not always full of praise. And I hear that. That's less of a criticism than a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Why would that be? Why don't we say yes to joy like Mary did? Well, one reason is that we just don't want to take the risk. See, we humans prefer certainty, and we cling to safety and comfort, and we wince a bit at Mary's very dangerous yes. So over the centuries, we've done a very good job of keeping Mary in a class all her own. See, she's not like us, really. So we don't have to consider the possibility that God is asking each of us to offer our own yes to him. And whatever uncomfortable, scary calling that he's given to us. And in one sense, yeah, right, Mary was different from the rest of us because God became human only once in that way. But as Tony said earlier, all of us have been called to incarnate Christ in the world in our own God-given ways We're each as human as Mary was. We're each as favored as she was. And the same Lord is with each of us as with with her. And God has never stopped asking us to give him our unconditional yes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we want God's unconditional love. But we're not willing to be unconditional right back with him. We're not... Why aren't we willing to risk believing that he will do great, unbelievable things through us so that generations after us will call us blessed and be inspired to risk it all for Christ in their own lives because of what they've seen 
of God in and through us. Why is that blasphemous? Saying yes to God always involves a cost. It always does. But so does saying no to God. And again, because God is who God is, God's love for us never changes no matter what we say. But maybe this Advent season, maybe, with um, the angels reassuring, don't be afraid, the Lord's with you, ringing in our ears, maybe we might risk seriously reflecting on what it could be like to risk trusting God's purposes a bit more and our own agendas a bit less. What might happen if we would, like Mary, choose not to settle for what's humanly possible, but decided that seeing God do the impossible is well worth any cost? Like I said, I'm there. But another reason we don't always say yes is that we're worried that perhaps that while we make that decision today, there may come a time in the future when we'll waffle on it, we'll betray that, we'll conclude at that moment the pain that we're experiencing will overshadow the joy. So, as Joanne just said, Mary already knew there would be pain ahead of her. She was willing to take the risk, and the pain came in a variety of forms. As the story unfolds, being shamed for what would look like a blatant betrayal of her fiancé and her morals, the very likely pain of his rejection of her. You know, we'll get to that story next week. But also that, that pain of childbirth in an era before epidurals. Yet there was even more pain waiting her than, than that. And she may have sensed a bit of that as well. We may sense a bit of that as well as we look to the future. She said yes anyway. Mm-hmm. And as Joanne said, she deemed the joy to be worth it. Yeah. So the question is, is it worth it for us to also say yes to joy, not just once, but on a regular basis, on a continual basis, even if that gift that came to us once so splendidly like a baby ends up sometimes being wrapped in discomfort or doubt or distress. If God is glorified through the process, if people end up being saved and healed through the process, if the greatest desire of our heart is somehow birthed in that pain, can we trust that that pain can never, will never overshadow the joy of God's invitation in our yes? Not just today, but not in the future as well. That there is something that we can hold on to because it's God himself we're holding on to. Yeah, and that leads into maybe a third reason we don't keep saying yes to God. And that's that we, we don't know what joy is. So we settle for fleeting moments of happiness. We settle for a little fun, you know, here and there, some laughter over there, a Christmas party. No, I'm kidding. We fill our time, though, often with superficial distractions. We occupy ourselves with meaningless trivialities that cannot possibly satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. And then we convince ourselves that this is as good as it gets. Mary said yes to what mattered most, and she became more than happy. Right? Happiness comes and goes in moments of pleasurable feelings, and there's nothing wrong with happiness. But joy is a last, it's a state of being. It's deeper than emotion. 
It's drawn up from the inner wells of the unchanging goodness of God, the unchanging goodness of our lives in Christ, even in this broken world. Right, the unchanging goodness of creation itself. I'm okay with all of that as long as my team wins. <laughs> you know, those things really do impact our moods and our understanding mm-hmm. and our expression of joy. There's got to lean into what lies beneath it. Well, finally, one more thing. We miss out on joy sometimes because unlike Mary, we wish it only for ourselves and not for others. We live in a very polarized world. we got a lot of this going on. The fact that she would do the opposite is quite remarkable. We might expect her perspective on the world to be quite limited. She's a, a young girl in a village in a small corner of the Roman Empire. She hasn't seen much, hasn't been much, around much. But probably because she's been hanging out with a God who loves the whole world, she, as I said in the Magnificat there, and we talked about that, she moves in her song from the joy given her to the joy offered to the whole world. And perhaps we don't always do the same because, I don't know, you can disagree with this, I guess, but uh, I think we live in a highly narcissistic culture. You're not allowed to disagree with me because I'm right. <laughs> I'm always right. Now, see, think about it. We're, we're conditioned from a very young age to think of ourselves as the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And our persistence, we, eventually we learn to grow out of that if we actually grow up, but... Our persistence in such belief is a reflection of the fact that we, a lot of us don't grow up out of that, not in our world. And it does not create joy. It actually impedes it. Selfishness does not satisfy. You guys know that, don't you? Most of the world doesn't. Narcissism does not nourish. You guys know that, right? I'm not sure our world does. Here's the, here's the paradox. Here's the mystery. Here's the delight of it all. Joy comes best by giving it. Yes. And maybe then that helps us understand that God himself is joyful. Mm-hmm. It's not just Mary receiving it. Can you imagine the smile on God's face if we want to think of those terms? At the act of giving this joy to Mary. Yeah. And if your image of God is so stern that it cannot admit to a smile on God's face or an expression of joy, then maybe God would be inviting you into a better understanding of who, who he is. Mm-hmm. So let's shuck off all those excuses, all those reasons we've told God to talk to the hand. <laughs> yes. Let's respond to God's invitation to joy. Instead of saying yes to the dress this morning, let's do what Marys did and say yes to the mess. Yay! <laughs> to the greater joy that comes even in the uncontrollable messiness of life in this world, especially in the incomprehensibly messy glory <laughs> of the kingdom of God come to earth. Yes. We're going to invite the worship team to come on up on the platform. Because we want to close our time together singing with joy. <laughs> yeah. And as they're assembling, what I would like to close at least, Tony, in our teaching time uh, with a beautiful poem. It's a poem about how nine months after Mary said yes, through all of the messy changes and all of the messy choices, she gave birth to the savior of this messy world. (laughs) And she gave birth 
to that Savior in a messy world among messy animals with a joy that brought angels and God's glory down from heaven to earth. The poem is called The Incarnation, and it's by David Tenson. Take all your hope and longing. Cover it in blood, urine, feces, and straw. Cut the cord to your dreams with a field knife or clenched jaw. Here lays the king of the Jews, crowned between thighs, held in arms of exhaustion, bathed with tears, sweat, and the soft tones of a mother singing songs of deliverance between breaths as the king of glory feeds folded at her breast. What newborn would you not bend a knee for? What laboring mother would not make room for? Here's how God chose to be with his beloved in a state of utter surrender and dependence. Making his way into the world through a uterus, trading a heavenly crown for one of mucus, and later finding woven thorns pushed in its place as once again God surrenders to the fullness of humanity's mess, reconciling it all to himself, counting no soul's sin against them. That is the gospel. That's what we're waiting for in this Advent. The coming again in newness for each one of us and hopefully for our world, the King of glory. So in that joy-filled, amazing grace, why don't we stand and sing our yes and amen together as we are doing at the end of every message in this series. We all know this song. It's just a simple chorus. We're just going to sing the chorus. We're going to say, Yes, Lord. I say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Let's sing that again. Yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Yeah. I say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. One more time, I say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, Amen. Let's sing Amen.
Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Have a good rest of your weekend. Stick around for the Christmas party that we're going to have right after this. And is, is there any instruction? I wasn't given any instructions. This is, this is not a free-for-all. It is, it's not a free-for-all, but it, it is free-for-all. So... We, we have about a half hour before uh, hey, things get started. So, uh, instructions. Yeah, uh, not really. <laughs> Just uh, everybody uh, chill out, hang out, have a good time. Uh, and uh, again, dinner will be getting started in about a half hour, 11.15. All righty.